You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Tonight, the second lesson in the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we'll have, as we saw uh, before, uh, these things of inward attitude. Uh, let's go back and let's read uh, the scriptures uh, regarding the, the context we're in and how these things uh, are set up. And so uh, we find uh, that first there was a list of the things of the flesh that we were not to carry out. So Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, and here we are tonight in the joyful part of the study, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So one of the big points Paul was making earlier in the book was, we're under the grace of Christ. We're under the system of the gospel. We're not under the law. And a lot of people would say, hey, if we're not under the law, why can't we do all these terrible things the law says not to do? Well, it's because we're under the control of the Spirit, not being bound by the law, but being bound in our hearts by what the Spirit has taught us. And so, no, we don't do the things that we, we wish. We certainly don't do these other things that are so horrible we wouldn't wish them on anybody. But instead, we have the things of the Spirit. So we had our big list of things to deny. And then after that, we have replaced by what the Spirit produces. Last week, we began on the inward attitudes. We had talked about love. And then we tonight are going to be talking about joy and peace. There are some things that will then uh, be obvious and evident in our life, and people will see them. Patience, kindness, and goodness. And then there'll be some other goods as well. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So tonight, uh, we are up again to uh, the second part of the inward attitudes, the things that we hold near and dear uh, and keep in our hearts, these things of joy and peace. Again, the things of the flesh, there was malice, there was anger, there was strife, there was enmity, and now we've replaced it with joy and with peace. So this is the sanctification that comes by the Spirit. So in joy, and the, the word joy, if I looked it up in the dictionary, well, I did, uh, it means gladness, delight, um, particularly in the scriptures, it's a joy founded in the things of God, uh, not just on outward and earthly circumstance. Uh, there's some joy that's just not spiritual. I was listening today to a broadcast about uh, football, 
and there was, well, you know me. Um, and uh, the people who they were particularly fans of Kansas State, and uh, uh, they took particular delight anytime the University of Texas uh, uh, failed to win a game, which is relatively often. And the fellow says, he says, yeah, well, I know a Schadenfreude, which is that uh, German word that means laughing at the expense of others. He said, but it's all I got, so I'm going to enjoy it. Well, there's some people, and, and things a whole lot more serious than football, if there be such things. But there's some things a lot more serious than football where people, that's where they find their joy. They find their joy in the misfortunes of others. They find their joy in a bad circumstance for people for whom they have some antipathy. That is not the joy of the Spirit. And so the joy of the Spirit is that which the Spirit gives us and that we can carry with us at all time. It's not dependent on whether there's a win or a loss. It's not dependent upon the circumstances of this world. And we've all known those people. They're in good circumstance from every outward appearance. They have fortune seems to smile on them, and they're still not happy. We know other people that seem happy quite a bit. Uh, they seem happy as a disposition of heart, as a regular part of their character, and fortune has not smiled upon them at all. And it, it's the truth of what uh, Abraham Lincoln is credited with saying. Of course, I know that anything that we credit to Lincoln, we, we, we always wonder because uh, there's so many spurious quotes, but uh, I like this one. Uh, I have found, he said, that most people are about as happy as they've made up their minds to be. So it's not our position that makes us happy so often. It's our disposition. Well, we certainly have the things in Christ that should set us to a proper and happy and joyful disposition. Uh, fortune has smiled on us in Christ like you couldn't believe. Uh, the amazing grace uh, that is in Christ and all that it entails should give us this kind of joy. We think about when Christ came, the Magi came, and it says in the Gospel of Matthew, when they saw his star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I'd kind of like to see that. Uh, if we In heaven, I kind of hope there's a, a replay button where we can kind of see some scenes uh, from, uh, from time on earth and we can replay events in life of Christ. Well, what would it look like that evening as the star appears? These travelers from afar, they see that star and they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. Uh, great joy and exceeding rejoicing. And then we think about what the angels announced uh, that same uh, period there uh, after, uh, we, well, I, I guess it would have been a little bit before because it's the night of Jesus' birth where the uh, angels appeared to the shepherds and they had said, I bring you good no news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And so our gospel story starts in joy, exceedingly great joy and rejoicing. And then through the ministry of Christ and the various ups and downs and the hardships and, and the, the blessings and the opposition and the like, eventually we know that our Lord was put to death. And one of the saddest incidents there in the scriptures for us, uh, as we think about his, his suffering, as we think about the disciples being scattered, uh, but Jesus told him just before that, uh, he said, uh, why are you asking and deliberating about my saying that in a little while you won't behold me, and in a little while you'll see me? Truly I say to you, you'll weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. 
and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. And so that's our hope in Christ, that sorrow is turned to joy when the fullness of the blessing is finally achieved. And what blessing in Christ will not, unto the faithful, eventually be fully achieved? Even if it's not fully achieved in this life, certainly be made right in the next. So he said, as you have this sorrow, it's like a woman who the travail has come on her. She has sorrow as her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she's in anguish no more for the joy that the child has been born to the world. Therefore, you too will have sorrow, but I'll see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one takes your joy from you. And so that's our hope in Christ, as Christians, that one day we will fully and completely and see Christ, we'll be with Christ, we'll see him just as he is, we'll have eternity with him, and so we will have this exceedingly great joy. And as we begin that life, as we begin that uh, process, uh, which will culminate uh, there in the heavenly home, uh, the process of salvation, uh, us being saved here, uh, we can be like uh, uh, the eunuch. Uh, the eunuch, after he came up out of the waters of baptism, and after this Philip, who had taught him, was snatched away, it said he went on his way rejoicing. So there's the joy of salvation. Of course, that reminds us of the Psalms. In sin, David, David uh, prayed, Restore me to the joy of thy salvation. Or Psalm 30, Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be thou my helper. You have turned me from my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my soul may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I'll give thanks to thee forevermore. And so joy, uh, we think about it in the, uh, the famous uh, quote from the Lamentations, which is obviously one of the sad books. It's a book of laments, but he makes new his joys every morning in the third chapter. And so we have these joys of, of God and joys in Christ, even so that we're told in the book of James, rejoice in trials and uh, uh, rejoice in First Peter, even if for a little while you're now distressed in various trials, because in it you obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. And so we rejoice in God, in Christ, in salvation. We think about the many times that Paul rejoiced with other believers, uh, saying that uh, he, he thanked God for them and that he, he rejoiced in them. He called the Philippian brethren, my joy and my crown. Uh, he had great joy in the people of God. And we have this as this continual blessing of the Spirit for us. We have joy. Now, we have joy in this world, but we know it's, it is tempered with sorrow. But one day there'll be a joy in the Master, which will be full and complete. What, what is the blessing in Matthew 25 to the faithful one? Well done, good and faithful slave, Matthew 25 and 21, uh, or excuse me, 23. You were faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your master. And so th that's where this joy is headed. That's what the joy we have now is a foretaste of. And secure in that hope that that will be the ultimate outcome. There's no situation, there's no circumstance in which we can uh, would need to be totally bereft of joy. 
no matter how pressing uh, the, the problem, uh, no matter how uh, dangerous the path before us, no matter how much loss has been suffered thus far, no matter what the prospects are on, in this earth or the future, there is that future hope of the faithful to hear the master say, well done. I think about, as we mentioned last night in our invitation, uh, or maybe the Bible class, uh, but uh, the, the young man that uh, uh, so, uh, uh, recently uh, found out about where uh, you know, he wasn't prepared, uh, he, he's, not, he's not living his life well, uh, he's been uh, uh, recently found to, to, to be uh, using marijuana, and, and he's just kind of smoking his life away right now. And one of his parents went to visit him about some uh, other matter, and just, you know, found him in the middle of the afternoon, not at his job, but sitting on the couch, uh, you know, uh, smoking his, uh, smoking his, his, uh, uh, his stuff and, and playing video games. And what do you say to that? And I think about this here. It, what would the master say to that one? It, to, to, to the faithful, he says, well done. And that's why they can have joy. That's, that's their future. But to those not living right, to those not making progress in faith, to those not depending on Jesus Christ, to those wasting their life, be it by substance or just by time wasting or just cares of the world, what's he going to say to them? I've always thought, as he says to the faithful here, well done, he's just going to say to the rest, well, and what are they going to say? He comes in, he finds them as they are, and he goes, well, and they're like, uh, 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 where's the joy in that? Where's the joy in that life? Uh, so much of uh, the use of substances of all types is people trying to forget the problems they have, the, pro the, the, the bad things that have happened in the past, their bad prospects for the future, their current hopelessness in whatever state they're in right now. And there's just no joy. There's just this constant drudgery of here's another day. And you ever been around these Eeyores like that? You know, here's another day. We want some joy in life. And that joy is centered in what Christ has done, what he has accomplished ultimately for us with his death on the cross, the teaching he left along the way that guides us, the relationship he offers to us now, the bright hope for tomorrow and the future, and ultimately to the faithful, well done, enter in into the joys of your master. Or Jude 24, the same concept, different words. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. This is, the, this is what we are lifted to. We can stand before God blameless and joyous. And what's the normal condition of mankind standing before God? Isaiah 6. Isaiah is transported to heaven in a vision. And when he gets there, when he comes to the holy God, what does he say? Woe is me. And then God lifts him, God purifies him, and God sends him out. Or John, John the Apostle. 
And I don't know if we can find two holier men than Isaiah and John the Apostle. I'd put them on the holier-than-me list for sure, and probably the holier-than-you list, right? I, I don't think that'd be any insult to you to say these are holier guys than you. John fell over like a dead man when he saw Christ in John 1. And so the joy that we'll have when we have been so forgiven, so uh, changed, so sanctified by the Spirit, that we can stand in the presence of God and not afraid out of our minds, not woe is me undone, not having to change our pants, you know, because we just had some terrible thing happen down there, but instead be there with great joy because he's made us blameless. That is our hope in Christ. And so we have joy. Well, we also then, because we have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, being made blameless so that we can stand before him, we can have peace. Greek word, irene. Uh, tranquility is the definition. Well-being. Yeah, the uh, word peace is largely equivalent to the Hebrew word shalom. So the greetings of the Jews for one another of shalom. That is ours. What the Jews wish for is ours, accomplished in Jesus Christ. So we, we are to, you know, be peacemakers. That's the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. God is always uh, wanting the things that make for peace. And again, it's true peace. It's true wholeness, completeness, satisfaction, and fulfillment, contentment, and serenity. How many people want serenity? How many people want a contentment, a fulfillment, a wholeness, a wellness? And what do they do for it? Well, uh, Zen Buddhism or yoga or, or those people. They're the ones who, who uh, seem to traffic in this inner peace. But it's, that's a fraud. It, it's really only offered in Christ uh, to God because we can have peace with the one who will be our ultimate judge, that we can stand before him blameless and ready. He is the Lord of peace. Second Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. So peace can be ours in each and every circumstance. Now, what did Isaiah say about sinners? The path of peace they have not known. It turns out there is a path of peace. We, we probably know that from Paul quoting it in Romans. But there's a path of peace. And the path of sin and the path of selfishness is not the path of peace. Uh, Book of James. What's the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? That sounds like the things in the fruit of the, uh, of the works of the flesh. He says, is it not the source of those your pleasures your carnal desires, that wage war against your members. You lust and don't have, so you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, so you can spend it on your pleasures. See, seeking pleasures is not the path of peace. Seeking pleasures is not the path of joy. It's the path of, at best, short-term gratification. It's the path, at best, of a short-term pleasure. 
But what it really is, it is a, ends up being hostile to everybody and even your own self-interest. But you're hostile to everybody because you want what you want and they want what they want. And pretty soon there's conflicts with everybody. Isaiah said, the wicked are like the tossing sea. They can't be quiet. Its waters toss up refuge in mud. There is no peace, my God says, for the wicked. God made it where the wicked don't have peace. But we want peace. We, we don't want that kind of terrible drama and t- terrible uh, recriminations and, and all the, these uh, magnified and repetitive evils of the world. Satan promises you in your pleasures you'll find peace, happiness, maybe even security. But it's all, it's all a packet of lies. Instead, we find the real peace in the gospel. What does the full armor of God end with? We shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel is the way of peace. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in Acts 10.36 This word he sent out to all the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He's Lord of all. So peace is preached through Christ. In Ephesians 2, peace was preached to those who are far away, and peace was preached to those who are near. What did Jesus say? My peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as a world, but I give you my peace. So we start with Christ, with again, this peace with God, the, the reconciliation mission of the gospel, the calling us back to our uh, maker, calling us back to our judge, calling us back to our, our heavenly father uh, so that he might delight in us. Uh, where further, There had been alienation. Uh, there had been the separation of sin. But now we have peace because the disobedience that which brings, because of God's holiness, his wrath and indignation and judgment, these are put aside. Uh, these are marked off. These are blotted out. These are no longer counted against us as forgiven in Christ. So instead of a temporal misery and an eternal consequence, uh, we get temporal blessing and we have an eternal hope because God will, and this is the scary thought, Romans 2, 6, He will render to every man according to his deeds. To those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there's only wrath and indignation. And so the way of wisdom is the way of peace because it is uh, the way of God. uh, As it says in Psalm uh, 37, about the man who's forgiven. Mark the blameless man, and behold the upright, for the man of peace will have a posterity. So we have peace with God. The path of peace of the gospel of Christ is peace with God. Having been forgiven, and according to the book of Hebrews, cleansed in our very conscience of the sin that we have done, or the song we sang last night he, about the blessing of Christ, he broke the power of canceled sin, then we can have peace in ourselves. And, and we just note around us today the, the lack of peace 
that uh, so often we see in the world, it starts with people not being satisfied within themselves. And so they end up acting in destructive ways. Uh, they destroy relationships. Uh, they destroy uh, their lives. Uh, the ultimate end, of course, of this destructiveness is suicide. But not everybody, and it's not that many, who actually are driven to that kind of despair and lack of peace. Some don't end up fully and actually killing themselves. They just kill every relationship with them. They're toxic to everybody who tries to deal with them. There, there's a, you know, like like pig pen in the Peanuts cartoon has this cloud that, that of of dirt and debris that just goes around. Some people just do that uh, to relationships and do that to everybody that tries uh, to help them. And other paths to find inner peace uh, just pale in comparison uh, with leaning on the Lord in trust and in faith. The, the true serenity that most people would just love to have a little bit of, where you can go to sleep at night with a clean conscience, where you don't have to worry about all the things you did wrong, and you don't have to rehearse all the mistakes you've ever made. That, that kind of peace is best found when the king of peace, the God of peace, rules our hearts. And so we can cast our cares on him. And then we don't have to worry about our cares anymore. We don't have to be anxious, right? We, we're to be anxious for nothing. Because why? Because we don't care about those things? No, because we have cast our anxieties upon him. Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Or Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And so this peace goes with tranquility and, and thankfulness. Uh, Christians should, over the long haul, I'm not saying every minute of every day, and some of us are still working on this process of sanctification by the Spirit, but Christians overall and by the long-term application of these principles, we should be the happiest and most well-adjusted people in the world. We're not always, because we haven't fully taken these things to heart, and there, there are different times that uh, we have circumstances that are especially trying and especially difficult, uh, and it's not an absence of conflict that gives us peace, but it's being able to deal with those things with faith and with hope, and again, with the cares, going to somebody who can really take care of them instead of me thinking that I have to do it all myself. And so the great hymn, uh, It is well with my soul, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And so that's the peace that we want. That's the peace that uh, is only offered in Christ. So peace, the path of peace through the gospel, peace with God through Christ, peace with ourselves, and now we'll have peace with others. So the only way to have peace with others is to be at peace with ourselves. We've seen these guys are so busy fighting their own demons that that, that struggle uh, 
manifests itself in everything they do with anybody else, every time they interact with others, every relationship that they have. But we think about this, Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. And so here's a guy not ruffling feathers. Here's a guy uh, who is calming things. Here's a guy with the blessing and protection of God and certainly some providential care, but even his enemies. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people, they if, if they have an enemy, they'll go out of their way to poke them. They'll go poke the bear. They'll go stir up some strife. Uh, but the, the man of God, he is, like Romans 12, 18 says, as, as if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So be at peace with everybody as much as it depends on you. And if you're doing that, it might be successful even farther than you ever imagined by the promise that's in the Proverbs. So again, as we started on peace, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the sons of God. And so having found peace, the great joy of peace, knowing the, the blessing of it in this life to the degree that anybody can, we take that peace and we, we, we uh, share it with others. We, we bring them to peace, uh, both in things uh, secular and in things spiritual. And we make peace along the way. And really, this seeking peace, showing peace, not always being invo involved in uh, rows and strifes and, and troubles, this really can't be overstated as to how important it is. Uh, Hebrews 12 and 14, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Spirit. And so we are to pursue peace with all. And with that is sanctification. Again, that's the holy life, the life of the Spirit. That's what this fruit of the Spirit is. It's the sanctification uh, by the Spirit. If you don't follow this, it says, you will not see the Lord. You can't be a strife causer. You can't be a troublemaker. You can't be in constant dispute and be pleasing to God. But if you're faithful in Christ, if you seek his way, not your way, put his interest above yours. You can fulfill this promise that's given to the Philippians, again, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so you'll be guarded heart, mind, and soul in Christ in seeking the things of peace. All right, so that's, that's our inward attitudes. And now these things really should show in, our, show in our life. The next lesson, the things of outward display. If you've got love and joy and peace down in your heart, where? Oh, oh sorry, down in your heart to stay. But if you've got these things down, down, down deep in your heart, that should that should make a difference in your life. And so these should be displayed then. Patience, kindness, and goodness. And if you've got love, joy, and peace down deep in your heart, why wouldn't they be? So next time, our study of the fruit of the Spirit, the outward displays, patience, kindness, goodness. Thank you for listening to this sermon. 
from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.